Last week we began a new series entitled The Second Coming of Christ. It's not something that we, you might hear a lot, but you know what? Why are we not talking about it more, especially right now? And it's something that you should be looking forward to. And don't be so earthly-minded that you're not heavenly-minded. Remember, this is not the end of our journey. This is actually only the pre-course of our journey for the rest of our lives. We're going to spend our destiny somewhere, and you get to choose that. And so um, I think it's so important, and I really... I really am sensing the Holy Spirit even to talk about this because uh, I'm sensing just all the things that are happening around the world even right now. You can't just look down the street or in your community or the United States. You have to have your eyes open globally to what's happening. And, uh, you know, I think it's why it's good if you ever have the opportunity to travel outside of the United States, not Mexico, y'all on the beach. But if you ever have the opportunity to travel, even into some third world countries, some communist countries, some socialist countries, uh, it will widen your view to a worldwide perspective. Or now, you don't even have to travel. You can even just watch online, watch YouTube, and watch some things. But I don't know that we take the time to do that because we're so stuck in our world. But I will tell you, without a shadow of a doubt, I mean, even right now with the war that's been going on in Ukraine, uh, as I said last week, we're actually seeing the alignment of Russia and China. And all of that, whether you realize it or not, fits into biblical prophecy. I told you last week, if you wanted to go read Ezekiel 38, it talks about Rosh. And the, the king of the east, Rosh is, is Russia, king of the east, represents China. So there's a lot of prophecy that's being fulfilled even right now. Matter of fact, one-third of your Bible is full of prophecy, and a lot of it has already been fulfilled. There's still some to come. Now, if you know anything about these scriptures, you know, some of you may be concerned, and rightfully so. But uh, And a lot of times when we talk about the the, uh, the end times or the, the second coming of Christ, people get nervous. They get like, oh, man, what's going to happen? I'm scared of those times. But I'm going to tell you, I could not have better news for you this morning because if you know God, I'm going to tell you, this is the most encouraging message that you're ever going to hear, and that is Jesus is coming back. That's good news, folks. That's very good news. And today I'm going to dive into another aspect. Last week I talked about it's not a horror story. It's a love story. People, when they think of the end as as a horror of time, and there's a lot of bad stuff that happens, but it's really a love story. And I showed you this verse in John 14, verse 1. It says, Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. I know you're worried. 
I know your concern, and especially if, you're, if you start thinking about your children and, and maybe even your grandchildren, then the generations to come, you start thinking about what kind of life they're going to have in the world we're in. He says, I know you're worried. Don't be troubled. You believe in God, and you also believe in me. My father's house has many rooms, and if that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there? I'm preparing a place for you. In other words, I'm not just here to live on earth. I'm preparing a place for you to come and live, which means that God does intervene on planet earth, but a lot of his plan is to rescue us and get us out of this broken and cursed earth. That's what his whole point is. That's why he came. He wants to take us out of this sinful earth and get you into heaven. Amen? And he says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, here's the words we stuck on last week. You ready? I will. Y'all got to get with me. He said, I will. And I'm going to not only do that, I'm going to take you to be with me and you're going to be where he is. Amen. So he's going to take us out of this place. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, you put your faith in Christ, he's preparing a place for us. Amen. And so that's what I talked about last week. His main motivation, okay, is not judgment and wrath. There's a lot of that. His main motivation is he just wants to be with you. He just wants to be with you. So that was the why, okay? We talked about the why last week. Today, I want to talk about the what. In other words, what does it look like? What does the end times look like? And next week, we're going to talk about the when, okay? Because the most important question usually people are asking is, when are we in the last days, Pastor? Are we there? Well, like I said last week, you're, really, you're living in the only days that you have. So that's a silly question. You never know that you can get past tomorrow. We don't know what holds. Amen? So today, let's look at what it looks like. And I'm going to do my best to listen. Y'all buckle your seatbelts, okay? I'm going I'm to... I have this country slang, and I usually talk slow, but I'm going to try to speed it up a little bit. Because I'm going to cover the entire book of Revelation right now. Y'all say, oh, God, we're going to be here for four hours, Pastor. Oh, Lord. No, watch me. Watch me. I'm going to cover the major events because Revelation is one of the most confusing books of the Bible that you'll ever read. And so I'm going to do my best to cover some uh, topics that I think that you need to know about and cover some scriptures because a lot of people don't understand them. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, there's not a lot of funny stuff in this message. Okay, so I'm going to tell you a joke before we get started, all right? There were two churches in Texas, two pastors, uh, and they were right across the street from each other. And both pastors, uh, they decided to put a sign out front. One had a sign out front of his church, and it said, turn yourself around before it's too late. And then the other pastor, he put a sign, and it said, the end is near. And this agnostic guy comes driving by and he rolls down his window and he's like, you Christian freaks, y'all are crazy, you losers, I can't believe it. And he sped off in his car and went around the corner and all of a sudden you hear his tires uh, screeching and a big old splash. And one pastor said to the other, well, 
I guess we should have just put up a sign that said the bridge is out. That's funny, y'all. I don't care who you are. Some of you are just going to get it in a minute. Turn yourself around. <laughs> My wife just got it. I just heard it. <laughs> oh, man. Woo. All right. The book of Revelation in its original manuscript uh, in the Greek is called apocalypsis. Okay. That's where we get that word. But that's where the English word that we have, apocalypse which means a revel the revelation or the unveiling of something or to help you see something. So that's what revelation is. And John, he's one of the disciples of Jesus. He had been exiled on the Isle of Patmos. And while he's there, he actually sees Jesus, okay? Jesus shows up in his glorified body, and all of that's covered in chapter 1 of Revelation. So he shows up, and Jesus, he doesn't look quite the same because it describes him that he has eyes of fire, hair like wool, and feet like bronze, and a sword coming out of his mouth. And John actually passes out. Well, you would too. If Jesus showed up, I, I would have passed out too. But he wakes up and because he, he's seeing Jesus in his glorified body, and he begins to have this conversation but in the next, the next 21 chapters, chapter 2 through 22, there are six major events that take place, most of which are confusing, okay? And today I'm going to give you the top six major events uh, that you can uh, expect to come. And because you hold the only book in your hands, I'm going to tell you right now, this book is the only book in the world that can predict the future. It's the word, it's the words of life. And so I want to look at those, and if you have notes, and if you're not following along with notes, I encourage you to download our app, okay, CLC Church app, especially for a message like this, because there's a lot of notes in here that will help you even sing while I'm talking. And I think that some of you have paper notes as well. So the first thing that we see in Revelation chapter 2 and 3 is called the church age. And basically... That's where we are today. We're living, we're living right now in chapters 2 and 3. And this is the period before all these other things take place. And so chapters 2 and 3 are basically the playbook of how to get ready, how to get prepared. And that's what I want to talk about today because truth be known, I personally think a lot of the church is not ready. I really don't. So... I want to come back to this, okay? I'm going to circle back to this after we run through the rest, all right? Because it's most important. The next event that we see is Revelation chapter 4, which is the rapture of the church. Now, there are some Christians and theologians that do not believe in a rapture, okay? You say, well, what is a rapture? Well, the Greek word is harpazo, which means to snatch, quickly snatch or carry away it's an event that is described, and I, I, I read it to you last week, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, where before all the horrible things take place, the Bible describes Jesus coming to snatch away his bride. It means to be caught up. He said, I'm going to snatch you out. In other words, I'm going to take my church out by force. It's going to happen just like that, okay? And so the word rapture, though, in, in the Latin means rapturo, 
Uh, and that word is not in the Bible, and that's why some people don't believe in it. But I'm going to tell you the concept clearly is in 1 Thessalonians. Amen? So let's look at Revelation 4.1. And he says this. He says, after this, after what? After the church age that I just told you about, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, and the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here. And literally, listen, what happens after that point the word church is never mentioned again. It's not even brought up for the rest of the book of Revelation. It's mentioned 18 times through the first three chapters. And so I, 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 you say, well, why is that? It's because I don't think the church is there. He's not even talking about us anymore. He's, and I personally believe that Jesus is going to spare his church from the coming tribulation, which is a seven-year uh, period of horror. Now, Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Y'all ready to study with me today? Come on, get with me. Verse 1, it says, Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we don't need to write to you about them because I don't need to write them to you because nobody knows the day or the hour I'm, I'm coming back. Okay? He said, But you will know the season. Right? He said, For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. In other words, you're not going to have a lot of time to prepare for it. How many are just prepared for a thief right then? No, it comes unexpectedly. And, and, and that's why today's message is so important because you're gonna, you will hear the very words of Jesus of how to prepare for this end time. And so I'm just telling you, this is serious. But he says, while people are saying peace and safety, notice that, it's not going to be all chaos at that time. It, it, that we're going to have some peace. He said, but that's when the end is near. That's when you better get ready. You better keep your ear to the ground. And he said, destruction will come on them suddenly, watch, as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. I mean, look, you don't know when that baby's coming, but when you're nine, nine months, you know the season is near. Amen? And so Jesus talked about this in Matthew even. I believe it's Matthew 24. I don't have it written down, but he talks about two people will be working. One will be left, one will be taken, two people sleeping, one left, one taken. And, and so he talked about that. So it's not going to be this ramp-up thing where everybody's going to know, uh, and that's why you got to be prepared now, amen? It's not like, well, I'm going to wait to the last minute, and then I'm going to do, you know, some of you, y'all live procrastin procrastination in your lives, amen? Oh, that was weak, everybody. Wait to the last minute. I ain't got a lot of time, but uh, uh, there's a pastor friend of my dad's. Uh, he, he would always, me, when we were kids, he would drive his car at, on E. And it drove me crazy. You know why? Because uh, he, he ran, and he still, to this day, he, the other day, he ran out of gas. And I'd go over and stay with their house. And, I, and, and, and Eldridge, my, my buddy, I, he, I just gave a name away. Anyway... He'd say, Dad, please stop and get gas. Please stop. And I'm like, Uncle Ronnie, please stop and get gas. He'd just smile. Y'all ain't living by faith. No, we're living by gas right now. The man has run out of gas. I can't tell you how many times. Lord's going to take us there. 
It's like, you know, hey, we just drove by a gas station. The Lord said, stop. Amen. You can't procrastinate is my whole point. He said, you brothers and sisters are not in the darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. For God, here it is. You ready? I won't pay close attention. You might highlight this or underline this. For God did not appoint us to suffer what? That's the tribulation. But to receive salvation, that's what he wants for us right now. Amen? So that we don't have to suffer the, the tribulation. So that puts us to the next part. Okay, you ready? Revelation 6 through 19. We're not going to read every, every scripture, but that's the tribulation. And the vast, this is the vast majority of the book, and it's the most confusing part of the book. I was reading it again this week, and I'm like, why, John? But it's, years, it's a seven-year period where literally the wrath of God is poured out, but it begins with the guy called the Antichrist, okay? But he's actually not called the Antichrist at first. He first, you're going to know him as maybe some type of politician or some famous person who actually uh, brings peace, notice, to the Middle East for the very first time. Okay, he will broker a deal between Israel and the Palestinians. Now, if you ever watch any kind of news at all, I don't recommend a lot of it. Any kind of world news I'm interested in, right? I'm not interested in all the political stuff. It's just you'll just you'll be mad by the time you turn TV off, and you, you have to pray three times and confess and repent. But I do want to know what's going on in the world. And it, it, how many of you know, as long as I've, I've been alive, there's been a battle going on between Israel and Palestine. And you know that's been going on since the day of Jesus. Okay? So the, 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 the Antichrist is going to show up and he's going to broker a peace deal. And he's actually going to allow Israel to rebuild the temple on the Temple Mount, okay? And by the way, all of those preparations are in place right now. Don't put your head in the sand. The Antichrist is going to promise them that they're going to be able to do that only to take it away three years later, right smack in the middle of the tribulation. But then, literally, all hell breaks loose. In 2 Thessalonians... It says that the Antichrist, listen, the Antichrist can't come until the Holy Spirit is taken away from the earth. I read that to you last week if you were here. The Holy, I mean, the Antichrist can't even come on the scene. And the, you know why? The Holy Spirit resides where? In us. So he can't even come. That's another reason why I think that it, uh, it, I think it can't happen. The rapture uh, or the tribulation can't happen until the church is out of here. Because as long as I'm here, the power of God that's working in us right now is pushing back the forces of darkness. But when it's gone, I'm going to tell you, all hell's going to break loose, the enemy's going to take over, and every demonic spirit is going to rule. You do not want to be here, folks. Amen? And so, uh, but after the Antichrist uh, 
reveals is revealed and all hell breaks loose, it gets very confusing when you start reading these scriptures. And it gets really graphic and it gets very metaphoric. He starts talking about dragons and eagles and beasts. And, but I want you to think about that for a second. Okay, think with me. Can you imagine? Okay, this is John. 2,000 years ago, can you ima imagine him seeing a helicopter? Like, how would he describe that today? Think about that. He's seeing. So you have to realize John is seeing the end time, all the technology, nuclear war, all this is going on, but he doesn't know anything about a nuclear bomb. Y'all with me? He's seeing this in prophecy, and he's trying his best to describe it in words of how you would say it 2,000 years ago, which is why it's very confusing. I hope that helps somebody. you got to get a context of what, when this was written and what's happening. Just imagine, okay? So this is actually the hardest part to understand. So if you study Revelation, listen, I want to encourage you, lean into the first three chapters, okay? And then the very last part, which is Revelation 19 and 20, which is the second coming of Christ. Okay? Now, listen to me. Listen to me because I don't want you to be confused. So this is the second coming of Christ that happens. But remember, the rapture has already taken place. So the rapture is not the same thing as the second coming of Christ. Are you all hearing me? He's, he's not coming to earth to rule then. He's just coming to get his church. He's going to snatch his church out before then. That's why you won't be ready. I've already read you all the scriptures. He's coming. So the rapture is not the second coming. The second coming of Christ happens after the seven-year tribulation, after the battle of Armageddon. That's when it's going to happen. He's going to show up right at the last minute. When Armageddon is done, Christ is coming to the earth. Amen? Let me read it to you. You ready? Verse 11, chapter 19, verse 11, he said, John said, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. That's Jesus. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. And he has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself, and he is dressed Watch this, in a robe dipped in blood. That's the blood of Jesus from the cross. And his name, watch, is the word of God. Remember the other scripture says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That means that Jesus was God. He came to earth. When, when Jesus showed up on the scene, it was the Father intervening on earth with his son. And Jesus and his son are one. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit are one, but they are their own persons. I know it's confusing. I'm going to teach on it probably real soon to help clear it up because they're all the same. They just have a different operation. Amen? All right. So the armies of heaven were following him, talking about the angels, riding on white horses, dressed in fine linen, white and clean. How do you know there's no darkness in heaven? There's no impurities in heaven. It says, coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. 
And he will rule them with an iron scepter, and he treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has written this, uh, he has this name written. Everybody say it with me. King of kings and Lord of lords. Come on, somebody give a shout. He is the king of all kings, and he lords over all. And so... I'm telling you, you got to get excited about that because this is at the last moment of Armageddon. He's going to step on scene and come in and he's going to rule every nation, every tongue. I'm telling you, every tongue will confess before the Lord and they're going to know without a shadow of a doubt, he is God. And so the next event He's not bringing everybody into heaven just to make them choir members. The next event is the massive party. Okay, we're already there with them, but it's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. Okay, and basically, get this, it's like a giant wedding reception. I'm talking about fun and food. Come on, somebody. Some Tex-Mex, some barbecue some good old bull shrimp, anybody in the house. I, I don't know, whatever, you, whatever food, you can, food you can imagine, it's going to be a party, dancing and shouting and laughter. It's going to be a party with our Lord and Savior and with one another. And we're going to say the victory has been won. It's final. All right? But... After a little while, after this season of being together, then we get to Revelation 20, which is called the Great White Throne Judgment. And I want to encourage you to read this because it's, it's, it's fairly easy to understand. Verse 11 of, of chapter 20 says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. You know who that is? That's everybody. From Adam to the last person on the earth. You, in other words, you're basically getting your day in court. You're already in heaven if you're saved, right? So he's just formalizing it, bringing everybody together, and he says two things are going to happen, and I don't want you to miss this, okay? I, I learned a lot studying this. But he, he says, so he's standing for the throne and books, everybody say books, yes. plural, were opened. Another book, singular, watch, was opened. That's because there will be two ways in which to judge people. First is by the books and the second is by the book. Now, what's the book? Well, he goes on to say it's the book of life. Okay? This is the book that whenever you give your heart to Jesus, you surrender totally to him. Not just pray a prayer. I mean, you can pray the prayer all you want, but if you don't surrender from in here and make him your Lord, it doesn't matter. But when you surrender to him, your name gets recorded in the book of life. Anybody say Amen. And at that moment, everything that you've ever done, every good, every bad, everything that you've ever done, all your sins that you've ever committed are paid for once and for all, and you will be judged out of the book. 
So what's in the books? And I see when I was a kid, I heard all kinds of stuff, and this used to scare me because the books is has recorded everything that you've ever done, everything, every place you've ever went. Every thought you've ever thunk. And when I was a kid, it's like, I mean, I, I remember stories like, yeah, it's going to be like a big screen in heaven. Everybody's going to be standing there, and he's going to play your whole life before everybody. I'm, like, I'm thinking, even as a kid, I was thinking, oh, God, no. All the lying I did. The books. So you have a choice to be judged by the books or by the book. And I want you to be judged by the book. Okay, everybody? I'm telling you, you don't want the, uh, the books because you're never going to be able to measure up. Even if you've committed just one sin, you're worthy of eternal hell, the Bible says. But Jesus came. And said, look, I'm going to make sure that you never have to be judged according to what's in the books. So your name is written in the book. Because here's what's going to happen. You're going to be, as a Christian, as a believer, he's going to look at the book. And he's going to say, come right on in. You're covered by the blood of Jesus. I don't even remember, don't even know what you did. But my son stepped in and took your place. That's why the blood is so powerful. Can somebody just thank the Lord right now? Come on, I feel like this is a good place just to say thank you, Jesus. You took my place. I'm not worthy of it, but you paid it anyway. Hallelujah. And finally, we get to Revelation chapter 21 and 22, and he starts talking about the new heaven and the new earth. In other words, the current heaven, how it looks and operates uh, right now will be different after it's all over. The earth will be completely remade, he says. God puts the earth back in its Genesis 1 state where it was perfection. Nothing wrong, no sin, no, no, nothing evil, not, none of that. And matter of fact, rain won't even be necessary. <laughs> In the Garden of Eden, you know there was no rain, right? There was no storms. It watered itself through underground springs, okay? No hurricanes, no tornadoes, none of that was in existence. And I don't, I'm going to tell you, I don't want any hurricanes. Amen, Houston? But none of that was in existence because the earth was in its perfect state. And the Bible even describes that at the end of Revelation, that everything comes back into perfect order as it was in the beginning when Adam and Eve were created and there was no sin and God were walking together in harmony and love and relationship. Amen? So he's going to bring it back. So if you, if you think this earth is good, you ain't seen nothing. No more 100-degree heat. Amen. 
And I, you know, if you want to go to the snow, I guess you could travel to the mountains. I don't know. Give on your uh, holy wings. I don't know what you're going to do to get there, but hey. So imagine that, though. No more wars. Nobody mad at each other. No more hospital. I spent enough time in the hospital this year, more than my share, more than I want to, with just my own family, my wife, and my dad. I don't want no hospital. No more sin. No more sickness. No more bills. Somebody comes by and you say, my bill's been paid. And the light is always on at Shipley's Donuts, y'all. That's what I'm talking about right now. Hot and fresh all day, not just in the morning. If y'all had never been at Shipley's Donuts at 7 a.m. or 6.30 a.m. and got you a hot, mm, my God, it's melting in my mouth right now. It even says the lion and the lamb will lay or lie next to each other. In other words, that animal instinct will be gone. Do you, you realize that? I, I had somebody who was talking about, well, is my pet going to be in heaven? Well, says the lion and the lamb are going to be there. And uh, your pet may be there, but mine are not. They're going straight to hell. <laughs> Tell you what. <laughs> that cat of my daughter's is going straight to hell. <laughs> she bit me the other day. I got a scar. I'm like, the hell with you. I ain't lying. My, my wife's going, babe, you cussing in church. Well, no, I meant it. <laughs> Y'all got to laugh with me a little bit. I told you there wasn't nothing much funny in it, but I got to do something. But look, you're going to enjoy everything of beauty you're not going to be this little fat angel sitting on a cloud with a harp like they it's not happening y'all I mean I could go into all kinds of details about you know am I going to have a body well yeah the bodies from the dead are going to be resurrected to their body I mean hello somebody in a new and fresh form you got a Shipley's Donuts in one hand and a harp in the other. Thank you, Jesus. But he goes on to say, watch, that every ethnic group will be in perfect harmony. Listen to me. Listen to me. No more racism. No. Come on, somebody. No more. No more. No more. If you can, you get a picture of that. No more. And I'm not just talking about America. I'm talking about my Asian brothers. I'm talking about my Latino brothers and sisters. Are you are you hearing me? I'm talking about my African brothers. I'm talking about my Nigerian brothers and sisters. I'm talking about my German brothers and sisters. Are y'all hearing me? Everybody. It makes me sick to my stomach when I think about that. But when I get to heaven, I'm never going to get through this message, my God. 
Listen to me. You're choosing your eternal destiny right now. Right now. Books or the book. Paying it yourself or letting Jesus pay for it. Heaven or hell. Listen, hell's not a place where God sends people. I mean, he's, he's not just mad and going to send people to hell. No, if you want to pay for your own sins, you can. But I'm telling you, you don't have to. You know what I just accomplished? I just shared with you the entire book of Revelation. Somebody, come on. I told you I'd do it. I told you I'd do it. And for the sake of time, I'm going to end this message right here. And I'm going to come back and finish it next week. Can I do that? Because I, I think, I think, I just wanted you to grasp today. I wanted... I wanted you to see a timeline. But most importantly, there's a day coming. If I could get my keyboard up here, please. I just want you to be ready. I was going to talk about the seven churches that he spoke like he's next week. We'll talk about it because he said, well, how do we get prepared for this? And he uses the seven churches to teach us how to prepare ourselves really actually to be the bride that he's coming for. He's coming for a bride. So he uses that metaphorically for us to understand. And he's coming though for a bride that is pure, that is holy, that is in love with him that serves him, that's faithful, that lives for him. Y'all hear me? So you know what? We're just going to come back and we're going to cover that. But right now, I want to give somebody an opportunity because you never know what comes tomorrow. You don't know what happens when you pull out on that street today. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to woo you. Jesus loves you so much that he came. For God so loved the world. Y'all know this scripture. That he gave. Only. If you have an only child, I don't care. I got three of them, but I wouldn't give one. Gave his only son. That you might believe in him. In other words, I want you to, people have this picture. I mean, you imagine all the people from uh, the Old Testament. All they had was this faraway picture of God. They saw him in smoke and fire and sacrifices. And man, I could go into so much detail, but it seemed like God was distant. God was you know, pouring out wrath, and then there would be miracles. But then Jesus came because God said, I want to get close. I want them to know me. I don't want them to have to go through burning incense and making sacrifices and for priests to stand before them and 
No, I want to dine with them. I want to be intimate with you. I want it to be personal, that you can call on my name anytime, any place, 24 hours a day. And really all he wants is a sacrifice of praise. No killing animals, no bulls, no goats. He just wants your praise. And he wants your heart surrendered to him. So with everybody standing this morning, would you stand with me? The Lord's knocking on somebody's heart this morning. You may be a Christian or long, maybe you've strayed away or maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus, but I'm going to give everybody an opportunity because you have a choice to choose. Do you know you can secure your future right now? For all eternity. That's a long time. Because you're going to spend eternity somewhere. I want to make sure that you spend eternity with Jesus and with his church family. And if you're here today with every head bowed and you want to choose to have your name written in the book, would you just say, Pastor, pray for me. Count me in. Come on, raise your hand real quick. I'm not going to make you do anything. Just get, that's it. Hand, my goodness, my, keep them raised, please. You're, you're, you're taking a step of faith by doing I see you all over this building. Keep them raised. Now, keep that raised. I want another group I want to reach for. If you have a child or a mom or dad that needs Jesus, would you raise your hand? Come on. My Lord, my Lord. Those that raised your hands first, keep them raised. I just want you now, by raising your hands, you're saying, God, I'm ready to surrender my life, all of it, unto you. Okay? That, that's, that's why your hands are raised. So everybody pray with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son to take my place to pay for my sin that I might have life. So come into my life today. I surrender unto you. I commit my all from this day forward unto you. I want to be ready. I want to be prepared for your coming, oh Lord. So come into my life. Take control in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, would you just worship him now? Father, we worship you right now in the name of Jesus. I surrender it all unto you, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, give him a shout of praise. There's also a plan on the Bible app that goes along with this. So we want to help you. 
it answers a lot of questions you might have and it's just a great so if you need one come up here and get one also want to remind you if you're a guest with us today we would love to meet you in our vip lounge which is out the double doors to the right and we hope you have a champion week